We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. It's a wish list. Wish list. It's Christmas time, and I think it's very interesting because when Christmas time comes, we automatically think about all the stuff we're going to do. So you got a to-do list. You got lists of things that you want to get, lists of things you want to get for others. It's just a list after list after list after list. So I entitled this sermon series Wish List because I think this is ultimately what we do during this season. We just wish this happens and wish that happens and wish this happens. But the Advent season really isn't about wishing at all. Not at all. Today we talked about hope. Hope. When you have hope, then that means you, you, you like, wait a minute. I have hope. That means that there is something different that can happen. There's something that I can get out of this more than what I anticipate. There's still another shot of this as long as I have hope. And if you can't agree with that, think about this. How do you describe an abs- a situation that's absolutely just over, treacherous, there's no, how do you describe it? You say, there's no hope. That situation is hopeless, right? So, so you have to understand that as long as there is hope, then there is something more to come. So when we look at our wish list, that's kind of something that we, we tend to embrace. We look for the types of things that we want to get and what we want. And anybody use Amazon to shop? That's a silly question. <laughs> I saw a couple of people with two hands up. Amazon has a wish list in it too. So you can like shop and you can make the things that you're going to buy right now and you have your shopping cart. But then there's also a wish list. I see some heads nodding. I remember one year I proposed to my wife. I said, you know what? How about you make an Amazon wish list and you share it with me? So then that way, when it's time for like birthdays, Christmas, anniversaries, things of that nature, I'll know what it is that you want. How many of y'all think she went for that? No. It was, I thought it was genius. But I really thought it was, was genius because then I'm like, because then I can make a wish list. Because that's what we tend to do. Most of our wish lists are usually filled up with things that we really, really want. Right? We prioritize the things that we really, really want. Or it's stuff on the list that you like need but you don't really want to pay for. Go ahead and tell on yourself. Because, like, I don't know if y'all did this lately, probably not, maybe one or two people in this room, but, like, I don't like spending, like, 50 bucks on a pack of undershirts. So the uncle that I has that always guarantees socks for Christmas, because then I don't have to go pay. See, y'all don't wear a size 14. (laughs) 
If y'all wore a size 14, you would realize socks have no business costing this much. But your wish list is either the stuff that you want or the stuff that you need, but you don't necessarily want to pay for. And I think it's the over, over time, our wish list can either get, they'll get longer as we get older or they'll get shorter and more expensive. Because then we start bargaining like, no, 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 if you can just get like the one thing. Can any, anybody in here think of a time that you put something on your list that you did not get? Anybody, just blurt it out. Sarah, you're not, and I'm calling on you. What, 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 what was it? A phone case in eighth grade on the list, didn't get it. Anybody else? A Nintendo on my list too, never got it. What about, what about when you made a list and you did get it? What was the one thing that was on your list that you did get and it was like the best Christmas ever? A boom box, a new car, who said that? <laughs> we need to talk. Cause I need to know who to send my list to if they handed out cards. Now, now, for you people who, who said you remember what you did get, that was the best Christmas ever, what else was on your list? You don't even remember, do you? See, we likely forget the things that we actually put on the list that we didn't get. Because there's always a gift on there that's more important than everything else. So when you can get to that gift, everything else on the list, eh, doesn't matter that much. But if the roles were reversed and you didn't get the main thing and you got everything else, still unfulfilled. When I was younger, I used to make these lists and when stuff didn't happen like I thought it was supposed to, I tended to blame, um, how shall I say this, um, the list recipient. Because you make the list, and you're told that if you make the list, the recipient of the list is going to deliver the things on the list. But I was always sketchy of this uh, recipient. Watch this.
Snoop. Y'all should truly be ashamed <laughs> for what y'all put those babies through for your photo ops. You sat there and made them baby. Look at the recipient of the list and told them if they go to the list, they put it on the list and send it to the recipient of the list that they would get what they wanted. Scared the life out of them took pictures of them. I heard y'all say how cute it was. Watch these babies holler and scream. Catalog it forever. And every, this, every time this time of year come around, you pull out the picture. of them absolutely fearful. All in the name of getting what's on the list. I told you when I was younger, I was skeptical for a long time. And apparently them babies and y'all babies think he kind of sketchy too. But why am I, why am I, why am I showing you this imagery? Because sometimes when I would put things on my list and I didn't get that, I didn't quite understand how the list was actually fulfilled. I didn't understand that even though the recipient of the list didn't really have the authority to give everything on the list. Perhaps he didn't even have time to deliver the things on the list. Perhaps there was something more that I was supposed to get from the list. Maybe there's something too, having a long, long list of things and what you think you want is actually not it at all. Let's go to Matthew, the first chapter. And I have 16 verses that I want you to follow me through. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. And what we're not going to do is make me solely responsible for getting through the list you're going to participate as well. And if anybody who knows what this scripture is or got it, I want you to take a deep breath like this because we're going to try to say it real fast. I oh, know, I'm just playing. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not a race. But this is what Matthew says in Matthew 1, verses 1. We're going to go through verse number 16. And he says this. He says this. He says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David, and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. 
Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asia. Asia was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah. <sighs> Josiah was the father of Jehoshaphat and his brothers born in the time of exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoshaphat was the father of Jatil. Jatil. Jatil was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad. Was the father of Alakum. Alakum was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zodok. Zodok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eliezer. Eliezer was the father of Nathan. Nathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Matthew gave this really, really long list to give us this ancestry of hundreds of years to get to Jesus, the Messiah. The gift. Everything on this long list of people, eventually, we get to the only name, the gift, the only name that truly matters. The interesting thing about this is that in this list, in this heritage of Jesus, Matthew includes four particular and peculiar women in this lineage. We hear the name Tamar. Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute and conceived two sons with Judah. Rahab, also a harlot prostitute, who God brought out of a life of shame to become a wife and a mother. Ruth, who was a Moabite woman, through her life we see a story of conversion, courage, determination, loyalty, and faithfulness on both her part and God's. Bathsheba, who bore children with David despite being married to Uriah. All of these women arise an ethical challenge and an ethnicity challenge. Because in the good old days, there was only one holy people, the holy bloodline. And for anything worth saving, anything worth good, anything, you had to be in that bloodline. So it's very interesting that if you think about how we get to Jesus, Matthew, while he is trying to prove the authenticity of who Jesus is, he actually includes the black sheep of the family. So here we are and we see this long list and this long heritage that I guess we would easily want to dispose if it was another kind of wish list, if it was a Christmas list of sorts, we would say because there's only one that really matters. But in this context, Matthew, right out of the gate to set the tone, he wants us to understand fully who Jesus, the Messiah is. 
and where he comes from. At least two of these women were not Israelites by birth, and all of them had reputations like what my grandma would say, the unmentionable. Grandma, I remember when I was young, my, grand, my granny used to say, did you get your unmentionables? And I'd be like, what? Oh, you mean my draws? Because, be, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Edit that part out. Because there are certain things that you weren't supposed to speak about or say. You know, there are certain things in our, in, our, in our families, and there are certain things even in our own lives, you know what? We can just leave that part out. Because in order for somebody to see the good in us, of course, you have to get rid of the bad stuff. You got to change the storyline. Many of us live our lives today trying to defend the honor of a name. Our name or a loved one's name, we're so busy trying to defend the honor of the name, but the name is part of the story. So here, here we see that Matthew includes what isn't typically included when you're trying to, trying to prove a point that, 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 that something is important or someone is important. Typically, you hide that type of affiliation, but Matthew included them on the list that he's using to validate the authenticity of the Messiah. See, the Messiah had been prophesied about. He had been on the list for hundreds of years. Jesus, the Messiah, not a name, but in the position and title, the Savior. See, sometimes we need to understand truly what our names represent. See, we talk about our names, but we say it as like it's just the first and the last name or whatever that just kind of that and in itself. But have you ever thought about what it represents? See, the name of Jesus is so much bigger than just, just, just his name as, identify, as, it, as it is identified and as an identifying thing. It's, it's more than that. Who is he and what does he mean for humanity? Matthew makes it, he, he, he wants to make sure that we understand this because how could the Savior, the Messiah, on one hand, we want to make it so crystal clear and clean that the Messiah is this perfect gift from God. Then why is it so that God has maybe the, the, the not so pure be part of the story? So you need to know that these outliers, these misfits, these outcasts, these, um, these people who would receive coal on Christmas. See, many of us were terrified into good behavior because we sung songs and told, were told that if you're not good, you're going to receive a lump of coal in your stocking. Well, you know he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out. You know the rest. But isn't it interesting that in 
Jesus' heritage, his, his genealogy, his lineage, you see that there are both naughty and nice people on it. And all through the naughty and all through the nice, God is doing something incredible that nobody truly understands until it happens. Here he is, the names on the list. The list is getting longer and longer and longer and longer, and it's going through generations and generations, and there's this expectation for when Jesus comes, what's going to happen, and the birth of Jesus changes everything because it makes it clear, not that there's only a few people, even in his own family, that are disreputable, but they were all sinners. And God does not discard the sinner. They actually are part of the story. Not only are they part of the story, they're actually in the cast of the plot. Think about that. When you watch your favorite Christmas movie coming up, you're going to see this long list of people. And guess what? The main character is on there. Jesus as himself. And everybody else who played a role in how we got to Jesus is also there. Because the sinner, you and I, those before us, we're on the list. They're part of the story. They were part of the story. And he used the people on the list to bring forth their own salvation. Could it be that you and I sit here today, right now, on the list? And the thing that validates who we are from being on that list is Jesus. Could it be that the expectation of the list is not to trade off the best present for everything else? Maybe it's not a negotiation that we're saying, well, well if you could just skip out all of this except for this one or two things. Oh, because if that was the case, can I tell you, some of us wouldn't be on the list at all. Because if somebody had to sit back and choose who was worthy of the list, who was good enough for the list, who was special enough for the list, just maybe you and I wouldn't make it. But Jesus validates everything that's there. God has sent his son as the savior of all people. The Bible says Jews and Gentiles, those in the bloodline and not. Men and women, no matter what the sins of the people are, God's plan never was thrown off. It never was off track. It never was at risk. His plan continues to unfold, and the plan includes you. The plan includes you. There comes a point where you have to acknowledge and accept your right to be on the list. You got to stop giving the enemy the power to decide whether or not you're on there or not. And you have to take claim of the fact that you are on the list and God knew that you would be on the list. And to stay on the list would require Jesus.
And as long as you accept Jesus, then you understand you have a right to be on the list. You have a right to be victorious. You have a right to have joy. You have a right to have peace. You have a right to have hope. You have a right to experience love. You have the right to win. You have the right to be healed. You have the right to strength. You have the right to sound mind. You have the right because of Jesus. You have to own that. This is not up for discussion. It's not debatable. It's yours because he gave us his son. So at some point, you got to stop walking around like it's a maybe game. You got to stop walking around saying, well, well, if I get this, then I guess I'll be okay with not getting this. Well, if you, you just do this, God, I guess I'll be okay if, if, if I don't do this. I, I guess if you do this, then I, I can just live with this. And you got to start looking at it and realizing, wait a minute, everything on my list, everything that I'm concerned about, everything that I'm working for, everything that I have need of and the needs that others that I love and care about have, in the name of Jesus, it shall not be canceled. You're not crossing it out. You got to check it as he does it. You got to start walking through life like, well, all right. Granny need a new hip. Look at Granny dance. You got to start realizing, wait a minute, I've been in this funk and in this depression for six months. I got to get out of here. I, I can't deal with this no more. You got to start saying, thank you, Jesus, for my sound mind. You promised me that in you I shall have peace. I'm declaring to the world. I'm declaring to the atmosphere. I'm declaring to my situation. I will smile yet again, and I'm expecting to do so, and you check it off. You got to learn to own and take full ownership of what's on that list for yourself. You better tell somebody, I'm telling you. You better, and if you don't pray, you, if you don't practice now, you're going to walk away and you're going to forget. You better tell somebody, I'm not usually the one that's going to tell you to talk to your neighbor. But today, you better talk to your neighbor. You better tell them, I'm on the list. I'm on the list. I'm on the list. You better tell them, I'm on the list. I'm on the list. Tell yourself, tell somebody, you better recognize I'm on the list. I'm telling you, because if you can't right now on this Sunday morning say those words, how you going to do it when adversity hits? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you understand how to claim it. You got to learn how to claim it. If you can't do it now and everybody getting the same instruction, when you out there with the pack of wolves ready to bite your head off and life is happening, how you going to look at it and say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm on the list. You got to learn how to speak to your circumstances. You got to learn that the plan includes you. You got to learn that you are on the list. If he did it for his family, his own family, despite the mistakes of the past, despite who they were and what they did, God was faithful to that. He didn't hide the black sheep. Matthew was like, look, you got to understand, because if you don't understand the full picture, how could the Savior, how could something so good come from a mess? 
God. Because God has to show you, you are not out for perfection. You're going to have shortcomings. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make choices that you will live with for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And guess what? As long as you got breath in your lungs to see another day, it is not too late to call on the name of Jesus. You might have called him before and he started to fix things and you got spoiled. You got spoiled because he started to alleviate the pressure. You say, all right, thank you. And then you went right back to doing your same old one-two step. Let's tell the truth. God blesses us and how quickly we forget. And we go right back to our stuff. Oh, I thank God that when we blow it, he don't throw us away. So if you're in this room right now, this is what you need to be thinking about. This needs to be on your personal wish list. Lord, can I, can I see, can I experience you in greater ways? Can I not get caught up in the ebbs and flows of what the world is going to do? Because some of y'all right now might be planning on going to the store when you leave here. I mean, go to the store if you want to go to the store. But, but what I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your Christmas shopping. I'm sorry. It got like real, like they were. <laughs> what I'm telling you is the world, the way that the enemy is moving in the world, he wants Jesus to be an afterthought. And if you allow Jesus to be an afterthought, then you will not take claim for what we're celebrating during this season. Because you'll make the season about everything but Jesus. But he was on the list. And so are you. He did it for his family. He'll do it for you despite, despite the mistakes that you've made in your past. Jesus came to earth to free us for our sins. I often think about my old Christmas list and I often had this aha moment that the majority of the stuff on the list, I didn't deserve no way. Didn't need it anyway. It was just stuff. I saw a commercial that had that fast talking micro machine man on there that made me want to get them little tiny little cars. Stupid. But it was never about that. It's never about those things. So don't look at it like it's just out to get any old thing because you all admit it. When you got the stuff that was on the list but it wasn't the most important thing, it wasn't the thing that mattered most, it was a major letdown anyway. If you got some random stuff, great. But can I encourage you? You need Jesus. That's the thing that matters. That's the thing that should be added to your list. Your expectations this season ought to be, how can I do the things that are pleasing to Jesus? How can I do the things that will cause him to reciprocate? In our prayer time this morning, I gave you a couple of different examples of how we see in the Bible there's like these constant calls for you doing the thing 
that you want to have happen to you. You want to be a friend? Show yourself friendly. We love him because he what? First, he modeled this. He loved us first. We love him back. There's this thing that we have to get during this season to do the things that the Lord expects us to do. And we will experience those same things in abundance because it pleases him. Jesus' presence changes the past. It changes the past. His birth in this lineage changed everything that was. So you have to know as we sit here today, through the rest of this month, we're not taking communion because I want you to focus on when Jesus came into the earth, what did that mean for you? That's the question I want you to be thinking about all, all, all month. When Jesus came, what did that mean for me? If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at the table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.